Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Druid State Studio in California. It's episode 297 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we begin our PCA pregame series as we welcome back Scott Pierce, Executive Director of the Premium Cigar Association. And as always, the Primetime Show is brought to you by Saga Cigars. Delos Race introduced another chapter to Saga. The Saga Celeste. Celeste is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own Saga. Saga Celeste is a perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celeste cards are a blend of Cuyoyo Olor and Piloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade cloud wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes and affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celeste. And by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand requires tobacco that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun and a dark oil Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrels wrappers with thick high prime minor and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo 30th Anniversary, Perdomo Double H 12-year vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrels. Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at perdomocigars.com. And by Cavalier Geneve, Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold, and Stay Gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on their Instagram page, that's Cavalier underscore Cigars, or on their Facebook page, that's Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist, and you can join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the Cigar Industry Press. You'll want to follow them on Instagram, again, at Cavalier underscore Cigars, because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold and stay gold. Finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for those life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 297. Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Will Cooper here. I am in uh, the Paranormal Scott Studios on the Black Stage. And I'm always uh, joined by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis, out in California. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing a lot better. It was a rough week, as I was telling everyone before the show. <laughs> so uh, um, I'm doing the show. I'm happy to do the show. And then I leave for Florida tomorrow, so it, it, my, my problems will even be better. So it, it, nice. it, will, it, will, be, it will be good, yeah. Um, it feels weird doing this show tonight. Like, this was always a June show we're doing, you know? yeah. So <laughs> it's a little bit of calendar shift. And normally we, we do four shows leading into the PCA. 
the four weeks before, but um, Pro Cigars next week, so I'll be yeah. I won't be able to do a show. I'll be hopefully trying. Hopefully, Justin gives me a seat at the white dinner on Thursday night. Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah, he. Uh, if folks remember, if he promised me a seat, I need to know that. Um, so uh, if yeah. Justin's listening, he's kind of backpedaling on that a bit. <laughs> so, uh, but it's good. Uh, and and uh, no, so it's, um, I'm excited about that. Um, you have some cigars coming your way. I think I told you that today. So uh, yep. pray that yep. they were packed well because they weren't yep. cheap. <laughs> I'm expecting an armored transport. To uh, them, I so. have never been more paranoid about packing cigars. <laughs> <laughs> and I paid. I said, I'm just, Aaron, I bought extra insurance. I'm not, I'm not going to hit you back with that. It's because yep. I don't have to deal with it if these cigars crack. I, right. That's all I've been worried about. <laughs> yeah. And I know you're going to call me. Right, they crack. Yeah, you got to fuck with me yeah. on that stuff. <laughs> that's right. Uh, right. You can buy another round while you're down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least I got a discount. So yeah. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, all right. Um, I did want to mention before we start and bring our guests, actually, um, Cigar Coop's PCA coverage being sponsored again by Saga Cigars, by Drew Estate, and by Altidus USA. So thank you for all them for being back this year on Cigar Coop. Uh, you are helping uh, make our coverage possible this year, as well as all of our sponsors on, on across the network. So thank you guys. So um, Aaron, let's bring him in right now. Uh, he yep. is the executive director of the Premium Cigar Association. Um, pulling double duty, he was doing. He, he had an event he had to do tonight, and he came to do this show, and uh, he had never let us down. Scott Pierce. Scott, welcome back to primetime. Thank you very much. It's glad to be here, hanging out with you guys. Uh, I appreciate I'll, it. Like I said, I've been of uh, specialty cigars uh, any day now, too. Yeah, I mean, and, and, Scott, <laughs> and I'm and like, Aaron, I won't bitch if they're cracked. <laughs> no, these well, if should... mine are cracked, I'll send them to you then. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> these weren't cheap cigars is the problem. He's like, can you pick me up these cigars? And I was, yeah, and I picked them up. And, and uh, I'll say what they were. They were the My Father Tap to White collaboration, right? So, oh. They're not I will definitely take those. Be, yeah. <laughs> so I had to first fly back from Miami with those cigars, and then I flew back, and then I I was worried that they, you know, I didn't want them to crack. Thank God they didn't crack on my luggage. And then I packed them like, like airtight is all I could say. So, um, sure be so fine. yeah, yeah, no, I hope so. I hope so. So, uh, but um, yeah, Scott, I know this is like the second year in a row you have done this show and had something going on simultaneously or beforehand. So thank you very much. Uh, that's not taken for granted, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a good day. We had our Congressional Cigar Caucus roundtable up on the Hill. Uh, so Greg Zimmerman is on our board, presented along with Jeff Borshowitz and uh, Glenn Wilson from Jewish State. Uh, we had 12 members of Congress there, so it was standing room only. It was great. And uh, it was Minority Whip's uh, house, um, office there, so it was great. Uh, and then this evening, then we had the reception. And so we were just over at the townhouse on the uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, not ours. Uh, the UPS uh, townhouse hosted us. And so I walked back over here and got back just about uh, 35 minutes ago. So it was good timing. Perfect. perfect. A anything come out of the caucus that you can share? I mean, maybe whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what we're uh, kind of focused on is continuing our education campaign because a lot of folks, you know, think that just because they vacated the rule and it's now an appeal with the FDA that they aren't still doing uh, what I like to say are stupid, misguided things um, right. through the FDA. Uh, this one is about the proposed flavor uh, rule ban, hence the reason why Drew State obviously uh, being yep. keenly uh, uh, involved in this and wanting to have a discussion. So it was great because it was bipartisan, right? The two chairs of the Congressional Cigar Caucus were there, Dan Muser, Republican from Pennsylvania, Troy Carter, Democrat from Louisiana, which is great because Troy Carter is super excited that we're going back to New Orleans. 
And we got a great slate already set up for New Orleans because Troy Carter's welcoming us. The governor of Louisiana is excited for us to be there. Um, you know, we've got Brian King, who's already uh, confirmed from the head of CTP, is going to come next wow. year as well. Wow. Yeah, that's, so, that's big. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Planning yeah, is right job. now. But, yeah. So, I don't know uh, if that's a good or not, but I mean, I guess it is good. You want them to see it. Yeah. No, well, we do. And also, you know, um, I got a lot of respect for him. I know people might not necessarily like hearing that, but um, he's incredibly, incredibly bright, very well spoken. Um, but he's also open to an engagement. He said he won't turn down an invitation to go anywhere. So I've met him a few times, spent quite a bit of time with him. We uh, were at the same table at the Smoker Friendly Conference last year before the Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. Uh, he and I get along real well. We're both, I think, roughly about the same age. So we, I, he's somebody that I can share my pop culture references with. And right. it doesn't go over his head. He enjoys that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're kind of thinking that, you know, he and I will kind of be on stage and kind of really kind of get into the uh, the premium cigar issue. But that's, you know, 2025. But, you know, anyway, for the Congressional Cigar Caucus, you know, we're kind of focusing on this, talking about the flavor ban and what that would mean, not only just for, for companies that produce these products, but also for retailers. Um, you know, looking at, again, the usage patterns and everything else and really what constitutes it, um, you know, points being made about tobacco being incredibly absorbent and the flavorings are not they're conflating basically the 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 very very modern uh, flavor aspect of what they're using flavorings for and things with like synthetic nicotine uh, versus a you know premium tobacco product like cigars uh, and then trying to you know retrofit that onto this and ban those um, and kind of talking about that a little bit so very receptive very good a lot of actually good came out of it because looking at uh, things like Operation Choke Point and some of these other things that are going on that really impact a lot of our retailers. Uh, and it was good because we had, you know, finance committee people that were there uh, and, and um, appropriations and all these other things. And so a lot of different avenues for us to to be able to continue to make progress with the premium cigar um, you know, issue and what our industry is facing. So they're never ending. Right. The vacating of the right. rule. Yeah. That these challenges didn't go away. It's just, you know, they're always going to find new, interesting and stupid ways to try to come after us. So it was a good day. Good. Good. Uh, one, one quick question on that before we'll get into some of the trade show stuff. You mentioned Operation Choke Point. Is that kind of starting to creep its way back again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's actually starting to um, infect other things, right? So not only banking, but insurance. We're now starting to see it um, when it relates to telecommunications with the SHAFT memo, which SHAFT stands for Sex, Hate, Alcohol, Fire, and Tobacco. Right. Um, and uh, and again, minus the hate, right? These are a few of my favorite things. You know, that I yeah. Like. <laughs> And so, um, which, which is, but, but they're right. using that shaft memo as justification. Again, it's not, it's not legislation. It's not anything legal, but the telecommunications companies are using that as justification so that like you can't text your customers about deals that are coming and things like that and shutting right. down that type of communication. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the new sort of battlefield that they're using and trying to put pressure on private industries. Uh, I think you're going to see it come up with, um, uh, uh, in other areas like with social media and things like that, which I know is going to be something that definitely impacts you all as well. Well, that's what, you know, it's funny, Scott, that's what's keeping me up at night on a lot of stuff that I feel social media and media, we are, we are really prime for a hit. I mean, I'm just, you know, and I'll give you an example, Scott, like in North Carolina, right? There was a law passed and it's going to sound funny. People basically the adult websites, Pass the law that you have to have age ver there's age verification rules, but it's not just like typing in your birth date. It is like submitting photos, submitting like information to prove you right. are actually that person in that age. And it's going on adult websites, right? So okay, not a big deal for me, but I actually wondered could that be something they go after premium cigars with? 
And that's yeah, what's kind of you know, keeping me up at night with it right now. Yeah, we're kind of facing that a little bit too in some of these other areas where um, you're looking at. Um, I'm sorry, can you give me just hold on? Can you give me just two seconds to just take this real quick call? Yep, go ahead. Got. Hello? Okay, he's muted. Okay, good. I was going to mute him. Um, so I'll just say, yeah, it Aaron, definitely be a big deal on the, on the website. So, yeah, it's like actually, it's kind of funny because uh, people are like busted. I'm like, oh, you can't get your porn now. No, if I want, I can go get adult verification. That's not <laughs> right, the issue. Right, right. That's not the issue. I'm an adult. I can do it if I want to. Yeah. Right. Um, but the issue is, um, is like I said, if they, if they, and I do know that like Dan Thompson was showing me a couple of cigarette sites that were very, um, that were already kind of doing this. Like, like I yeah. think it was the old Nat Sherman site now had, it's not just typing in your age. You had to prove your age to get, a, to get access to that website. And that would shut us down if that happened. So it, it is something that yeah, kind of worrying I mean, me. At, that, at some point, if that, I mean, I, there may be a time where that just becomes the norm, right? For anything yeah. that's related like that. And it would need to be some sort of like global kind of system that you can. Yeah. You know, you either have signed into the browser to prove that or, yeah. um, you know, have some sort of a key that you can connect to the yeah. computer to show. It's expected to go to the courts here. Uh, it's expect they're expecting a court challenge yet yeah, because there's all privacy rules of being like, uh, it's all about privacy. So, right. Yeah. So, and I, to be able to yeah. that is. And, and, and for people like I heard Pornhub actually shut shut down access in North Carolina. So like oh, yeah. you, even if I wanted a verification, I, I'm I can't use Pornhub unfortunately. So right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're on the dark web too. Don't don't <laughs> I like I tell people here's what I'll tell people. If they want to look at my laptop, they're they're gonna be really disappointed in the content that's on there. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's an, like I said, it's open book laptop. <laughs> so uh, no, I'm not like so. Yeah, no, it's all good. But no, oh, Scott. Um, so yeah, we were yeah, just so, talking. You know, the, the yeah, there's all kinds of issues when you're talking about sort of this age gating because there's also the other aspect where you know the, the ADA compliance and how that stuff works with all of that, which you know all the plugins that you have to use for some of these websites aren't necessarily ADA compliant, right? And you're yeah. using a third party one, but you're going to get you know hit for it. So there's all kinds of issues that you know people don't ever consider and i was talking about this earlier right and like i said my my favorite you know uh, mind of the past you know, of the 20th century is thomas soul you know thomas soul always says right there's no solutions there's only trade-offs and that's one of the things that politicians don't ever take into consideration is that you're not giving a solution that's not going to have any negative side effects whatsoever there's got to be a justification for what you're doing and here what here's the trade-offs that you're going to have for any number of these different things and the vast majority of what you're proposing as a solution is not going to solve whatever problem you've created, especially as it pertains to the premium cigar industry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right on that. You're right on that. So, Scott, let's turn a little to the uh, the. I just want to go back real quick on the 2023 show, and I think by all indications, if you talk to, and I'm sure you guys have done the surveys, but the informal talk we've talked to. PCA did a great job on that. I mean, it was just it, people came out of that show and it was big thumbs up. I, uh, there really wasn't much to, to um, nickel, you know, nitpick on, I should say, on that. So uh, good job on that. Is there anything like you're reflecting on that trade show? You know, just general thoughts. Yeah, you know, it was the last one at the Venetian, so uh, a little bit of a relief for me. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, it's the easiest group to work with, but it was the last year of our contract. Um, and so we were able to successfully satisfy all of our obligations there. Um, you know, and so kind of embarking on a new era, not only 
uh, not, you know, in the Venetian anymore, but not in the summer anymore either. And so, um, you know, I think that uh, maybe there was a little bit of nostalgia there for people kind of, you know, hey, we've been here for this amount of time and it's the last one in the summer. And uh, so I think a lot of that was good. But we saw growth. We saw growth both in participation um, from the past several years on both the, the manufacturing end, but also on um, uh, but also on um, the, the retailer end as well. Um, so that, you know, has continued to grow over the past three years. So I think that, um, you know, we try to do more interesting things on, on the show floor. Um, you know, we tested out the media pods. The funny thing is, is they had no smoking signs on there, even though, yeah, we could you could smoke inside the media right, pods. Right. Uh, you know, I wish somebody would have pinged me on that and asked me because uh, I would have been able to uh, um, to say, yeah, I know you can go ahead and go in there and smoke. Um, you know, but we, we did a couple of things and we're kind of learning from from that last year, continuing things that people like. We're going to try some new uh, things on the show floor this year um, for some fun things as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that overall, um, the things that are working, we want to continue to do and grow and, and, and lean into those. But overall, people were, were happy. I think also yeah. the sentiment of the vacating of the rule. Uh, as well as some of the growth that's in there, um, it, it's all good. So this guy just keeps going. Sorry, it's oh, that's okay. Cool. We're, I'm getting them downstairs to to call them. Okay. Okay. Everything. If you need to, just let, let me know. Yeah, it's no problem at all. We uh, no. Like I said, I think it was a great. I think it was a very really great show you guys had. Um, and like I said, the the uh, the smiles were on faces. I mean, it was for all practical purposes. Probably one of the best shows I, I've been to. If we had to go out of the Venetian, we went out with a good, with a good, with a good uh, show. Uh, I, I too, I, I tend to be more nostalgic than Aaron on this type of stuff. I, I am a little sad about this. Right? I don't know why, right? But, uh, but I also think you know we had a couple shows at the convention center. I thought the convention center put on a good show, to be honest with you. So, I, I think we'll be, you know, I don't think it's going to be an issue now. And I think now that Resorts is one of the host hotels, I think people are going to be happy with that because that's a great hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. I know we've had some issues kind of trying to get some, uh, um, you know, rooms and reservations and things like that, but it's a, it's a great property. We, we've got, um, it's up on the website. Uh, if you go to attendees and go to after hours, um, we've got kind of a reservation system set up because again, it's going to be March Madness. So we've got a reservation system set up where you can reserve um, tables at eight or Gatsby's lounge at resorts world, which are two of the great smoking areas um, that you can get. Plus they've got a, a casino bar there. That's probably Two, three times the size of Bar Lux that we're used to. Um, so a, a lot of opportunity. And we got this attendee guy that's going out too. There's, you know, uh, a lot of different places right there right. along the way that yep. people can smoke and congregate. And so that's what we want to promote and promulgate a little bit more is is being able to kind of stay together off the right. trade show floor. Because, again, the camaraderie, but also, look, a lot of business is done off the show floor as well. There's only so many things you can do in those hours on the show floor, even for as long as it is. So um i yeah i mean it was good you know the the uh i've also you know made sure that we have no fires even though we're back at the convention center that, that, that go off i don't want to worry about that again um so yeah but uh i think so and the convention center's been good we're in the central hall so it's it's going to be an interesting experience because um you know everything's where we we ended up having we're going to have everything right there centralized because we're in multiple hotels um, we're thinking about doing some things at Resorts World, um, but as we kind of went through it all, it's like, you know, if people are in different hotels and trying to come back over to Resorts World and back out, everyone's going to be there anyway. So we're kind of building out more activities at the convention center to try to keep everybody together. I like that. I think that's good. And there's that Tesla tunnel, right? That's the, that, can, yeah. that, that connects the two now. So that's something I haven't yeah. seen it yet, but I've heard it's about awesome. it. It's awesome. Yeah, we got we went out there for a side visit, so we got to ride it. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's a ride at Disneyland to be, to right. be honest yeah, with you. Right. 
Uh, you don't have to stand in line long. Um, it's great with the PCA badge. You get it's free. So as long as you got your badge, you can ride that for free uh, as it goes back and forth and everything. So that's good. Um, and I think it even goes by the Westgate actually has it there, too. So if you don't have to walk, if you're staying at the Westgate, you can just you, I think there's one stop. It's two stops from Resorts World, one stop from Westgate. And it comes right out at the Central Hall. And what's great is because of the construction that's going on at the convention center, uh, you don't have to walk into like the foyer area and then walk into the hall. We're, we're walking in directly into our halls and registration and other areas from outside. So if you've got a cigar and you're walking from the Marriott or the Renaissance and you're smoking on your way over, you never have to put your cigar out. Nice. So that's that's nice. That's a good job. Yeah, that's good. You walk well, in, they... check, you walk in, never have to put your cigar out. You can stay and hang out and yeah, everything else. So we'll have a lot of space for people to sit and hang out and smoke too. I was, yeah, I mean, uh, so that's kind of a big deal because the Venetian, we obviously had to put our cigars out when we walked out of our yeah. hall, so that is a big deal. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. so yeah, so soon, yeah, you can walk outside with it, you keep walking until you get to uh, your hotel, um, and you're good to go, so you shouldn't have any issues with that at all. That's good, that's, so they'll let you go through that foyer area, basically, with it, which is, was always the issue, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, so the foyer area is kind of closed off because they're doing construction, so our foyer is really just a hall that, that you exit kind of, out on the okay. street. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, good. you won't be able to take it on the Tesla tunnel. Uh, but, okay, yeah. okay, but that's still uh, not, that's not bad. That's no. not bad. That's still not bad because they're kicking you off the floor. At least you have a place to finish your cigar, and it's not going to be 111 degrees either. So it's not. That's not a bad. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, if it's so, 111 degrees, then 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 quite frankly, uh, I just know that I'm bad right. luck, and I'll probably just sign off at that point. <laughs> I've had, I think, basically all seven seals of the apocalypse broken when I've done all of these shows when I started. So, you know, norovirus and fires and floods, and you know, I forgot uh, about norovirus. That's Tuesday, right. You had that one. And, and, yeah, that was my first one. <laughs> and then we had the, uh, then we had the uh, obviously COVID and everything else. The and flood. Stuff. You had the flood one year, right? It was the fire and the flood. Yeah. Oh yeah, was, the fire and the flood. Was was all, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even really a fire. It was uh thank you. It, it was, was, it was it basically was a, it was a column that went off and and because it went off, the heat hit the sprinkler and the heat let the sprinkler go off. And the fire department got there, thank you, and they didn't know which valve to turn off. So it ran for like 45 minutes. And so when I got there, I was like, okay, there's no fire trucks, the place isn't on fire. And I walked right. in the hall, like nothing's on fire, everything looks fine. And when I first walked in, there's Altidus with that brand new car that's sitting there. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Okay, I'm a little bit, you know, but <laughs> and I start walking and I can kind of smell something. And then all of a sudden, I just start feeling the squish, 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 and look down. And then it's just like a little river running through everything. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's the problem. The Michael Hercott's picture of him, like in the puddles with that in his suit, He's you know. Well, the, he never wears socks, so he just flipped the <laughs> shoes off, <laughs> you know, all pants anyway. And then we were good and we're mopping. I mean, from four o'clock until. I mean, we opened the show floor at one. I had to station, you know, my um, some board members at the hotels to say, hey, tell people no. We had to send these emails out. So, yeah, from about four until about 1130 uh, noon, mopping, cleaning up, ran back to the hotel and changed. And then they came back and we opened the show floor at one. Right. And I loved it. Some smart ass played. We didn't start the fires. We walked in the show floor. <laughs> oh, gee. So it sounds like I, apologize. I, I, I have. Eating very little today. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. Some pizza while we Scott, do this. Scott, eat. We want, you, we want you fed. So, um, like I said, so Scott, it seems like obviously you said you're kind of glad you're not dealing with the Venetian anymore, but the convention center has been much more welcoming to us, it seems like. Yeah, they've actually been really great. Um, it's far easier because it is a convention center and not an owned property in terms right. of 
what we can do. And, and obviously they've got a history with Nax, with TPE and, and some other shows. So um, it's, it's great. And it's a lot easier. And then, um, you know, they still have to do the, use the same labor, the same labor agreement. So those costs have obviously gone yeah. up because yeah. of the strike and the deal that they, they got in place. But overall, it's a lot easier. And also being there, um, it's a lot easier and more cost effective for alcohol companies. So we've got a few alcohol companies coming. We're going to do kind of a, um, you know, a new spirits pavilion this year. So we can sample some good uh, spirits on the show floor this year. And uh, so, yeah, so we're looking forward to, to kind of growing that segment as part of what we do uh, because it is such a big part of the industry. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that Spirits Pavilion. Sipping on something tonight. Yeah. So the Spirits Pavilion, you were going to have like Spirits companies come in there basically and they exhibit. Is it is it a, like samples? Is it a cash bar? How does that work? No. There's going to be samples. I believe it's one ounce pours. They're going to be able to offer us samples. Okay. We'll still be able to do that um, through there. And then, um, yeah, so that should, um, so that, that'll be good. You know, there's a, you know, a handful of them, maybe a half dozen or so that um, we've got right now. And so um, it'll be a good mix too of, of whiskeys and, and rums and, and um, some other ones that are, have some kind of different blends and different things that, that they have. And so it, it'll be good. You know, we got a lot of cigar bars and we have a lot of um, big, you know, sort of um, liquor uh, sellers as well. You know, like the Binnies and the Specs and things like that that are also there. So it's a it's a really good crowd for these guys to get in front of. And so we're hoping to grow that footprint as we um, grow the show as well. Nice. Nice. Uh so that's going to be all three days that will be out in there. And, and uh, or the hours that run. Yeah. So um, um, based upon feedback in the show flow, flow uh, we're not doing the early entry anymore. Uh, so everyone's going to kick off at the same time. So uh, Saturday and Sunday, it's 10 to 6. And then uh, Monday, it's 9 to 5. There's no more Tuesday half day. It uh, stops yeah. at 5. Because that's when it'll start to, to break down on Monday at 5 o'clock. So three yeah. full days. Scott, you know, we, we I know we talked a little about the half day being eliminated. And I know I know there's drop offs, right? But what so this is permanent basically. We're not gonna see the half day anymore. Um what is this more do you, I mean how's this been received? Is I'm just curious how this has been received. Is, is it positive? I mean, I think I told you it was a little challenging for the media, but I can't blame you guys for doing it either. I I, I think you guys had to make a call on it, but I'm just curious how the industry's received that as far as that goes. Uh, all positive. You know, I think especially for the manufacturers, there was not a lot of um, kind of ROI for that half day because it is so slow. There are right. a handful right. that would use it. Um, the other part for us on the business side of running the show, eliminating that half day makes our footprint smaller. And so it, it opens us up to not needing as many days for setup and for teardown, which helps us with our footprint to find different dates that right. might be available, um, especially because we've moved the show into what is the busiest season for trade shows and conventions. Yeah. Right? So that makes that a little bit easier for us as well. Okay. So, okay. and then yeah. hopefully, you know, with, with, you know, you all being able to get in when manufacturers can get in and not having to worry about that, that will hopefully offset some of the time. I know Tuesday was a, a good time for media to get a lot of stuff because it is slower. So right. hopefully with that time that allows you to get in earlier uh, will help kind of offset some of that time. No, first of all, thank you for that. That is a big for us. We and I look, I kind of understand why the half day had to go away. I look as selfish as it was for for media. I I totally, I even was saying like you know the last day. It's it's you know I think it's hard for retailers to spend four days at a trade show. I I do think you know because a lot of them are expected. 
like I get I get prodded all the time if my retailer is not at a certain boost buying. So like I kind of get it. You know, it's hard to buy for four days there. So I think it was the right call. And and this was a big help to to do that extra hour. Even if I'm using it for photography and someone's showing up late at the booth, I could deal with it. But so I think yeah. I, I understand it. We appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying yeah. to again continually improve and, and even yeah. if it's just, you know kind of smaller areas and that. But sometimes little changes will make a big deal. And I think yeah. that with that last half day, I think it'll hopefully concentrate a little bit more. And that's why we want to start building out more and more offshore hour stuff because again. Uh, you know, a lot, it's really the the major benefit is being able to come together with so many people. So we're trying to figure out more and more ways in which we can do that. Um, the, the biggest change of that will be New Orleans because the city loves us they, and is allowing us to do a lot of things. Um, so we're trying to do that more and more in Las Vegas this year with, with some of the stuff, we, you know, with Aid and Gatsby's that I've already mentioned and some of the attendee guy stuff that we put together. But we'll do that in a much bigger way in New Orleans where we've got some ability to do some things with some uh, spaces there outside the trade show floor. Yeah, that that's good. That's good to hear. Um, so kickoff day this year. Um, last year I thought the kickoff day was great. I think the changes you made, uh, you know, moving the what was the breakfast into the middle of the day, doing everything in that one day, one space. Uh, it was, and I think the content was very good. So I think it was a good job with that. What can you tell us about this year's kickoff day? Yeah. Um. Thank you. We um. We talked a lot about changing that. That breakfast was kind of a people showed up, but I was like, okay, people are falling asleep. Let's 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 kind of get this and maybe do some little bit more exciting content. You know, uh, when you're going over the business the association, it's not terribly exciting or sexy. But um, so kickoff day, uh, huge huge positive reception um, with the the hand rolled JC Newman's uh, that kicked it off. Um, you know, we we had it set for I think 750 or a thousand people. And we had to bring in more chairs because it was standing room only at that point. Right. So, um, really well done. And, uh, you know, Jesse and Steve did a great job and the Newmans and everything else. So that kicked it off. And, and then, you know, so we thought, as I was talking to those guys, um, they uh, said, hey, we, we probably will have another episode next year. So I said, great. If it's ready, let me know. We'll have you slaughtered at the same time. So sure enough, they're getting the uh, the, the Tatuaje um, nice. episode Nice. Um, hopefully, I'm not saying anything that should. Uh, be it, it's I yeah I've I've heard that buzz that, that could be it. So, and then um, and then we've got two really great seminars. So La Aurora, um, and uh, the Jimenez Rum, who's going to be part of the Spirits Pavilion, they're going to do a pairing seminar. So is that Manuel doing that? Manuel yeah. Noah, he's really yeah. good at. I've been in one of the yards. It's a very good seminar. Yeah. So yeah. they'll do the pairing seminar. Uh, so that'll be this uh, the the then the one o'clock hour. And then, um, then after that, then Nick Melillo was going to go and he's going to do a Connecticut seed seminar. He's going to talk about the different bridles, the flavorings. Yep. And, and um, then you'll also get a Connecticut broadleaf cigar from him to smoke while, while we're doing that. Then we'll go into our, our annual meeting. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're sending out the press release on this, I think probably tomorrow. So we'll get a sneak peek. But then our keynote, um, and it's on the site. So, I mean, it's not like we're, we're saying anything that some people who have been to the site don't already know. But the keynote this year is going to be the Padron family for their 60th anniversary. Nice. So, nice yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do a big keynote there with the family and the presentation. Really looking forward to that. I think they got some stuff that's um, special. They got set up for that. And then that will roll right into the opening party that will run from right after that till about 7, 730. So we're, we're going to do the opening party right after because, again, people spread out, go back to hotels. Right afterwards, people can come, have fun, uh, designed, in, you know, so that way people aren't standing in line. Um 
uh, for everything. And uh, then seven o'clock, everybody's good to go and can go have dinner and relax and everything yeah. else and get ready for, for the day. No, that's good. So first of all, uh, hats off of doing the Padron thing. Um, I, I kind of always, I think doing a keynote with, with very key people in our industry is, is great. So I think you'll, and I know it costs money sometimes to bring in some of these outside speakers, not that they're not good, but sometimes people want to hear from people in the industry and, and this is a big one. So I think this, this is a great platform because I, that's, this is the release I've been looking for as far as what's going to be the release of the show this year is the 60th. So I love yeah. that there's going to be a platform with that as opposed to, you know, I know a couple of years ago, point they put that was unique and different, but I, I like this. I like this format a lot, actually. So we can really hear the story about it. Yeah, you know. Um, so this started at the last year's show. I sat down with George and was discussing this with them you know, on setup days. And we're kind of talking about this. And, you know, kind of similar to the 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 Fuente Padron thing. You know, I was like, hey, let's, 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 uh, there's a way them, which, because he was talking, hey, look, it's our 60th. We want to go do something bigger next year. And so um, kind of talking about it, that the, you know, have the support sponsorship partnership and everything else and and said hey look let's let's provide a format where uh, just because we were talking about uh, a bigger stage with a captive audience to kind of discuss this it's it's doable but a little bit more difficult obviously on the trade show floor when they did that right mm -hmm. but now look we've got a whole stage and and audio visual and everything else and stuff and so captive audience just to kind of sit there and go through that i think is going to be a a great way look i mean the padron the legacy everything else what it means to the industry and so many people obviously love the brand and, you know, and have a connection with it. And I think it's going to be a, a really huge hit. I think so, too. I think that's a good job. So, um, like I said, that's the release I've been I've been asked over from a few people. A couple of people are saying, I think this is the one. And George hasn't really kept it a secret that the 60th is going to be unveiled this year. So, I mean, he was talking about that last year when I when I was in Nicaragua. So so it's not really a big surprise. So, I mean, that's I think this is a great I think it's great news. Yeah. Excited to get the family up there. Yeah. In the, the story and the history, you know, from from uh, you know Orlando to George, and now the next generation that's coming up and everything. Even though George is still quite young, you know, it's still the next generation is now up and involved in everything. And so they they um, they are. They I met yeah. them in Nicaragua, the, his son and his nephew, and they are much more involved than people might real not. You know, they may not realize how involved they are. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's a again, it's a story that if you're in the cigar industry, you're gonna love. Yep. Yep. Uh, what can you say about the opening party? I mean, last year it was a very unique setup. It, obviously, there was some star power, uh, you know, Guy Fieri and, you know, some of the uh, Eric and Sokka and uh, Matt Booth. And all. Uh, yep. That was what's going to be this year. So we've got a Crown Heads and EP Carrillo opening party. Oh, uh, and so, yeah. Yeah. So they got something planned for right after the, the Padron Kino to kind of kick it off. Um, you know, with Tim Osgener and, and Cuba and EP Carrillo. And uh, so, yeah, so they're going to have it. And um, yeah, so we're kind of in the midst of designing that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to be obviously, so last year was different with those, those four and this one's designing, you know, kind of a, you know, good high end cocktail hour type of thing where yeah. people get a drink and they'll uh, get their cigars and something special that, that the two companies have planned for. So it'll be a good event to, to, to kind of kick all this off and you know, to get some good cigars and have some drinks and see some folks. And, and then, like I said, doing a little bit earlier. Uh, and the great thing is here too, for, for those, um, it's going to be the, the events running registration is going to be open and still all the way through. That's what I'm doing it earlier. Yeah. So one of the challenges we would have is that the opening party would be going on, but registration was closed and we have some great, great contractors that we work with that we're like, Hey, look, we'll stay an extra hour to make sure 
Um, but now registration will be open right in front of kind of where it's going on. So even if you show up at like five thirty, six o'clock, you can still get your badge and come into the opening party, no problem. And so, yeah, um, yeah so it's going to be a good thing. And then and we're setting it up in kind of a fun lounge type of way. And that'll stay up throughout the show. So it's just right adjacent to the show. Yeah. You can you'll have to walk through there anyway. So it'll be a good place for people to go. And if they want some quiet time just to kind of sit down and take a break from the show floor, they can. And it's just literally two minutes off the show floor. Oh, that's great. I, I, by the way, thank you for moving that up to five o'clock, by the way. Um, that is a big difference for a lot of us because we get dragged into a lot of things. Um, and it's going to be at the convention center, you said, right? So it's not going to be we have to shuttle over to resorts after that. Correct. Yeah, right there on the show floor. So it's literally so the space where the the all the education is going to be, you'll just walk right literally through a kind of an open but air wall into the next hall, which is where the party will be and everything else. And yep. It's all kind of continuous. Um sort of loop almost or it's kind of a c-shape to get through there and then onto the show floor yep and show floor is cool because the the side that we're walking in is not really the front because of the pardon me the construction that's going on right. so we're kind of on the side but you get to walk in up and you're gonna have to go downstairs to first get on the show floor so it's gonna be awesome because you get this great elevated view of the trade show floor as you walk in and oh so nice it's cool. yeah that's good that's nice that's nice as well so yeah no that's uh that sounds great um and so one other thing that was last year, and I think it was very successful in my opinion, uh, the BCA Pavilion seemed to – I was – I didn't know how it was going to work out. I had some maybe doubts. Um, I was able to observe a lot of the activity there. It seemed like it worked out well for those guys. So are they back this year? They are. They are, yeah. Uh, okay. 15 companies that are coming back. So um, I think one or two more than were there last year. Um, great spot on the show floor. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that they're they're back. They're excited and uh, we're looking forward to having them. And and uh, same type of thing. I think that they'll uh, continue to get uh, more interest. I think as more people look for some new things they might want to bring in and find some new brands. And these are a lot of the smaller ones um, that are you know especially for for those shops that have you know the cigar nerd cabals that exist out there that are trying to find those type of small batch type of of, of brands. This is a great opportunity to to meet them. And to find them, and and again, it's one big booth, so it's very easy to find them. You don't have to try to hunt through all the midst of the bigger booths to try to find to try to find them. So it, it's a, it was it was well received last year, and looking forward to it uh, again this year. That's 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 good to hear. Like I said, it, it, I think it was a good start for them, uh, for sure. So I mean, it was like, uh, I mean, I was over. I didn't get the chance to really talk to anyone at the booths per se, but I. Uh, we, we, this year, I think it's gonna be a little different. We're gonna have an extra person. So I think we're gonna have uh, a little more ground game we can cover, but, uh, we observed it and it, the activity was, was pretty, was a lot stronger than even I thought it was going to be there. So I think, uh, I think it worked out well. It yeah. Seemed like. yeah. So yeah. a similar type of, of kind of location in, in the, in the, in the way in which it's going to be basically right there on the way to the food court and some other activities, um, that we have planned, um, for the show floor. So just, you know, again, um yeah breaking news i guess um but we're building out a putt-putt course on the show floor this year we had a golf simulator last year so we're gonna <laughs> yeah. do a putt-putt course oh duh. i'm gonna lose one of my guys <laughs> nielsen <laughs> nielsen was on that putt-putt the first day like <laughs> i couldn't give him away from that thing but then he unfortunately he had to go home he had an emergency at home um but but he got, got all his photos done so he was like I'm, he kept going to the putt-putt thing <laughs> The simulator. Oh, the, 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 so, yeah. Very productive man. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Simulator, but he still got all of his photos done. Yeah, no, no. No, he, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. So, uh, no, it was good. He, I think he would have been there every day. He had it. So, oh, that's good. So, that's good to hear. 
Um, you talked a little about this, some of the after hours activities. Um, I know last year there was some you, you engaged with some some companies that were kind of setting folks up at nightclubs and stuff. What's the plan for that this year? Same thing, different thing? How are you guys going to work that? No, we're doing a little bit different because the challenge that you know, so a lot of companies they do this for the, the, the company we, we worked with last year. And while it worked well for the couple of locations that we had, the, the, the biggest challenge is for all the other industries they do it for, uh, it's they don't have to put together a smoking event, right? Yeah, and so yeah. It becomes the challenge. And so, and, and the one that they were able to do at the Venetian at the Oak Room was great. I mean, it was, they had, it was 180 capacity. I think we had 165 or so that came in. Everyone was there for the couple hours that was there. They got their cigars, just kind of drinks, everything else. Uh, it was very smooth, right? And 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 Pete, you know, who was, was uh, the sponsor for that for Tatuaje, I think he was happy with it because it it was um, it really felt a, a lot like a an event you would do at a retail shop. It yeah, was busy, yeah. Had to see a lot of folks, uh, so it was good. But again, the challenge is, is that if it's not right there, it's after the show kind of closes and everything else, and everyone's kind of being pulled in different directions. It became a little challenging. So what we did this year is we just reached out directly to Aiden to Gatsby's, knowing that obviously these were two of the places um, to say, hey, look, it's our way we can kind of give some benefit to our members. So we've got a special special reservation site. You can get to it again if you just go to pcashow.org slash after dash hours or the link is right there under attendees. Uh, you can make a reservation. Now, again, uh, the financial aspect of it, you're still going to pay. you got to pay to reserve the table and everything else because it's at high time there because of March Madness. But you can get a reservation early now to make sure you actually have a table. So if you want to go to eight or Gatsby's, uh, nice cigar lounges, nice high-end cocktail lounges that allow smoking, you can make those reservations now. God knows that if you're going to go and spend a couple hours there, you're easily going to hit that minimum that you're putting down for the reservation anyway for a table. Yeah. So it's just it's just an easier way that so you don't have to wait till you get on site. You can actually plan that and start getting your reservation set up so you can get some priority ahead of people that are going to be there for March Madness. Nice. That's good. Good. Good with that. So uh, good to hear that. Um, we talked a bunch about the smoking guidelines. I think we kind of covered that. Basically, it's going to be, a, you know, but the same deal. You can't smoke in non-smoking areas, right? They, there's uh, obviously areas you can't smoke, but otherwise it's going to be a little more flexible getting out of the convention center this year. Yeah, you never have to put your cigar out until you get back to your hotel. Right. So when you leave, if you're leaving the trade show floor, wherever you walk inside the convention center, it's right. all smoking. Right. So the opening party, all the sessions, everything right. is all smoking and you'll exit outside and you can continue to smoke. So the second you go down to the Tesla tunnel, though, you got to put it out before you go there. But then if you're just walking back to your hotel, most hotels that we have other than Resorts World are within about a five to eight minute walk away. Right. So it's just a good way to finish your cigar. How about the Tesla tunnel? Uh, how long is that trip? I'm just curious how long it takes. About seven minutes because um, it's two stops away from Resorts World. And so you might you might wait a few minutes if there's a line to get them. Right. But they run so consistently, you don't really have to wait long. There's usually, I think, four that can park there and wait to pick up people. So when we did it, it was just running pretty regular. There was nothing going on. So we walked right, right. down. We waited for two minutes to get a car, and then it took us about seven minutes to get to the, uh, the stop that goes right up to Central Hall. Okay. Okay. So that's good. That's not too bad. No, and they've 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 run it through like CES to where there's yeah. been you know fifty thousand people there, and it's the same thing. They just add more cars, and the most time people were waiting was about seven to ten minutes for a right. car, and that's at the that's at the height obviously of usage. Right, right. Um, and then the monorail still there's still a monorail, right? But that goes the other way. That kind of goes lengthwise. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it does cut, and and um, 
we've got discount codes for that that you can use as well. Yeah. Uh, or you can get that. So you can get the monorail pass for cheaper if you want to use that. Um, if you want to go up and down the strip with it or if you're not staying at one of the hotels that's walkable or whatever else and stuff too. So we've got some discount codes for that as well. Yeah, I did it. I did it one year uh, from the Westgate to the MGM. It wasn't too bad, actually. Uh, it was pretty convenient. Um, it was fast, too. So uh, I was surprised. So, yeah, but that goes the other way. The Tesla, what I think is nice is it cuts across the, the strip, which is, you know, that's always been a challenge. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Scott, the other, the other, I noticed some guidelines around cannabis, right? Does that apply to CBD or is that just strictly cannabis is banned? So, um, it, it it doesn't apply as strictly to CBD. The challenge we had with the Venetian is ownership at the time was dead set against anything about it, right? Right. Um, uh, what's his name? It escapes him, but his son died of an overdose. He had kind of blamed marijuana as his gay drug. He hated all of it. So they had a pretty strict policy. And it was funny because when we were kind of arguing with them about it, because we had some CBD companies that were interested. Right. They – they came back and said, no, it's completely, you know, verboten and everything else. We don't right. do that. And I was like, you have a GNC store there that sells this stuff. Right. And they were like, oh, you know, but they leased the space from us. That's not our company. It's a private company. I'm like, we're doing the same thing. We're You're doing the same thing, yeah. The same exact thing. There is right. no difference. And so um, they finally kind of uh, acquiesced a little bit there. So, uh, you know, CBD, uh, it, it's not as strict there. But as far as, you know, the cannabis and everything else, we do draw a pretty firm line there if it's, you know, some of that component of like strict cannabis or paraphernalia. Um, but for some of the other stuff, not as much because some of this stuff are, you know, we do have folks that do sell it and do well with it. So it's something that is of interest, but it's not a big focal point, obviously, of, of what our show is, or what we do. Got it. Got it. Um, so, so it's not as strict. Is it as open as TPE is my question? I don't know if you, and again, you may not be familiar with the TPE. I know TPE obviously has a lot of vendors there. How, how open is it? You know, it, it, uh, I don't know if a lot of companies are focused on it. I mean, we're, we're open in terms of, and we've got the policies on the website. We're open in terms of if you've got some, you know, CBD products and things like that, that, that you want to sell. I think the challenge is though for those companies that are coming, they've got a much wider portfolio than just some of this more strict, you know, CBD yeah. stuff that they're doing. Right. So they don't really look at our show as, as, you know, that, that typical place. Right. And that's right. why, you know, TPE or NAX is much more where they're kind of prone to go just because they can showcase their whole portfolio and, you know, and we've got groups. I mean, you know, there's a smoker friendly that are out there and a handful of the others that, you know, would take advantage of that. But, you know, um, and that's why they go to all the shows, right? It's because they do that. But yeah. you know, our show is so, you know, focused on the, the premium component that um, it, I just I don't think it makes a lot of sense. You know, even when we did talk to companies that were interested when we got them to agree to, to CBD, not a ton were really all that interested just because it was you know, a, 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 a subset of a niche right. of a niche that they would be going to. Right. So I don't, I don't anticipate any kind of, you know, real footprint for them. Okay. Um, you mentioned Dr. King coming to next year's show. Yeah. And this was actually something I wanted to mention as well. I did notice this year you have implemented an ethical marketing policy, yeah. uh, which obviously it's going to be really important next year, probably more so, right? Talk us a little through what this ethical market for people may have to know what is the ethical marketing policy and what are some of the things that like this is going to cover? Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of comes down to um, a lot of, of the, I'll call them gripes that the antics have and that kind of leads some of the conversations right. um, of, of the FDA. And a lot of it is it's strictly it's geared towards the marketing towards, you know, kids or what can be right. deemed as marketing towards kids. Right. 
Um, you know, I've had some conversations with, with some manufacturers to kind of frame this a little bit. Some get, you know, um, uh, overly sensitive to it. Not sensitive. That's not the right word. Right. Uh, more risk averse of not wanting to, to, to call right. the wrong kind of attention to it. Um, and I said, look, we, we've got to be able to draw a line because right. we still need the freedom to be able to market in interesting right. and creative ways. Um, and in a lot of ways, this is a very creative industry, uh, especially when you look at all the strictures around the industry and, and what, what so many of these great companies have been able to do within that confined space. But we've got to have some freedom and maneuverability here um, that even if it's just, uh, you know, a, a cartoon style drawing of somebody doing something adult. I mean, you know, there's there's all kinds of, you know, right. adult cartoons, right? Or the movie Ted, for crying out loud. That's not for kids. You know, right. but it's about a fucking teddy bear. Right. So we, we've got to be able to draw this line. And so the ethical marketing guy is really kicking a page a lot out of a lot of what industries have done, namely to alcohol, but a lot of other industries. And we've got to start taking the lead of being able to put some guidelines down on ourselves um, that we know that we can operate in and operate in successfully. Uh, and again, this is our trade show. So we've got we want to also make sure that the trade show is the the representation of the business that's at hand. Right. So we want to make sure that. Um, Trade dress and trademark violations. We want to make sure that those aren't out that aren't you know uh, on the show floor at all. Um, you know, and then on top of that, if there are things that overtly could you know be construed you know as as marketing towards kids, again the FDA comes to the show, right? They they walk the show floor, they they see these things, um, and we want to make sure that they understand that no, this is the biggest marketplace for premium cigars right. you know, in the world as far as the show is concerned for commerce. And we're taking this seriously and what is going to be able to be available for retailers to see and for manufacturers to be able to showcase. So that's where a lot of this comes from um, in terms of that. The second part of it is, too, is also helping to guide and educate the retailers in terms of what regulators are looking at and what's right. being talked about. Um, because the retailers are going to be the tip of the spear on this. They're not going to go to the manufacturers because a lot of them are obviously they're you know, they're not going to go to Nicaragua. They're not going to come down on them for their marketing practices. They're going to go right. into the stores and the retailers, are the ones who are going to be, you know, fined or forced to pull the stuff off the shelves and things like that. Um, and so that's really why we want to continue this as well, because it's a protection for the retailers and for them to be aware of what regulators are going to be looking for. Right. Right. So let's say there is a violation. What happens? I mean, how is how is it going to be monitored? How is it going to be enforced? Because. I've never seen the PCA as a monitoring and enforcement type of organization. I mean, it's, you know, you have a lot on your plate. So how are you going to handle monitoring and enforcing that? Because it could be a problem, let's say, with someone. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good that you haven't noticed it because, um, you know, I've had to do it every year that I've been here. Okay. <laughs> so we do monitor it and enforce it. Um, generally so you've done this, but you're codifying it now is the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we, 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 we've built up the, the codification of it over the years. Uh, in terms of it, but this this one is obviously a little more robust because we've been right. working and getting some manufacturer feedback and having you know our, our right. board and other experts right. and, and uh, compliance experts look at this. Um, but you know, really for the most part, uh, everyone understands. And so if we've gone and seen products and said, "Hey, look, this this could be a potential violation for us," and again, in the contracts we sign, we have full control over it. I mean, we could remove products at any given time. Right. Uh, and so within there, we say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity to do the right thing. And if there's a second violation, whatever else, then we're going to have you escorted off the show floor. And then you'll be banned from coming back. Right. At least here. And so 
um, you know, we, we tend to just handle it in, in just, you know, gentlemanly conversations so far to the point. Uh, haven't really had any pushback at all. Right. It's all been, uh, easy and across the board as far as the products are concerned. Other violations have happened where, you know, something uh, obviously we've had people in suitcasing that happens every year um, where, yeah. you know, they get a booth, they come in and they're walking around trying to sell cigars that can't happen. Um, and then, and then just um, other things, whether it's noise infractions or things like that. So we, we, for the most part, people there want to be able to have a good time and not, you know, piss people off or be assholes. Uh, so it's really just an opportunity to just have a conversation and let people know what is and what's not acceptable. And 99 times out of 100, it's an easy conversation and people right. understand. Right. Um, follow-up question to that. People will say to me, well, why does the PCA care about trademark and trade dress? So I'll ask that to you. Why Why do you guys care about it? You know, what's what's the reason why with, with that? Well, quite frankly, why would we want to put a target on our backs? And also because, again, first and foremost, the retailers can be liable. Right. If you have a product that's on your shelf, that uh -huh. violates a right. Disney or uh, you know a Rolex or a champagne trade dress. That retailer would be liable. Then it could be brought. You know, okay. Yeah. The second part is is why the hell would we want to put a target on our backs for these giant industries? You know there are companies that are out yeah. there that you know that you were going after that their company portfolio is bigger than the entire industry put together. Yeah. In terms yeah. of revenues and sales and profits and things like that. So them filing a lawsuit against us or coming after the premium cigar industry, um, particularly when they've got significantly deeper connections with regulators, that's just a stupid fight to pick. Right. Uh, and so, again, it's about that ultimate protection. At the same time, it's about also our retailers being protected because, you know, a, a single store retailer is not going to have the resources, nor should they want to be put on the radar of, of a yeah. private company and have their products violating them. Right. Understood with that. Under and this was I know there was a Jack Daniels decision, right, that played a big role into this uh, as well. Right. Yeah. In terms of that, it, you can't, it's not always parody. Because I always hear the parody reason thrown out. Oh, we're just parodying and having fun. But that's not really the case, according to that ruling. No, it's not. Yeah, that you, that's it's it, you're the parody thing. And, and, and uh, you know, satire is, is pretty clearly and narrowly defined in this instance. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're not Saturday Night Live, <laughs> you know, we're not, you know, Spencer's gifts where it's clear in terms of the joke aspect of yeah. it. Um, so, again, uh, it's it's a very different, um, very different animal when it comes to this type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, I see people do it and then they they get their hand slapped and they take it off the shelf. Right. But at some point, I guess someone can actually say, well, oh, no, we're going to go after you now. It doesn't matter if you take it off the shelf. So someone's going to get mad enough. Somebody they can do it. Yeah. And the biggest deeper issue is, again, going back to this, is that there are companies out there, individual companies that, again, that are so large, they have so many connections within regulatory offices that if they go in and start looking at this, it just all it does is give more reason and, and ammunition to antis to start coming down. If we're an industry that's known for being bad actors in terms of all of this and not playing by the rules and acting outside of this, all it is is, is more ammunition to be like, yeah, we might as well shut this down because, again, just another side of the tobacco industry that's acting in bad faith, that's nefarious, that's doing yeah. all these other things the way that they've always done it. Um, and it, it it's just not it's just not what we want to portray because we're not like that. We're really not. It's a few things that might happen here and there, but ultimately that's not who we are. And so why would we want to put ourselves at risk? Uh, understood. Aaron, before we kind of get to some of the other stuff, is there anything else you wanted to add that maybe we didn't cover in this first segment? And the second and no, third think, segments are shorter. Yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed them. 
Awesome. Awesome. Scott, question for you. I know you didn't eat. Um, I could do a commercial read now if you want, and then you can grab some food and then we could start again. It's up to you entirely. Uh, either way, it's fine. I'm just, you know, if you don't want to see me stuff in my face, that might be a good idea. No, it's okay. Whatever you want. I'll, I'm going to just go on then. I'll just go on with the schedule then. But if, if you do, I'll have a commercial read in a, in a few minutes. I had a couple of things I wanted to cover first. Yeah, sure. Um, all right. So first thing, this is our Florida Sun Grown Beef segment. And I know Jeff's around, right? So, uh, and this is, uh, of course, sponsored by the Florida Sun Grown Tobacco Farm. We talk about beef every week. Uh, Scott, you're spending time in Vegas a lot. Uh, I want to know. I wrote the wrong thing in this. Okay. I wanted the best place in Vegas you've had a steak. It's a tie between Cut and Delmonico. You can't go wrong with either one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Cut is really good. Cut is really good. It is. It is. Is there a particular steak you go for? I like strips, uh, but I love all steak, to be honest with you. I mean, also T-bone because you can kind of get the good both sides yeah. of everything yeah. Going yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love all things steak. I love all things beef. So, you know, I w will kind of eat anything as far as that's concerned, especially at those places because you know they're going to be prepared right. Yeah. The quality of the beef is going to be excellent. It's going to be prepared right. Um, so, yeah, but I, I like a good strip. I like some marbling that's in there. I like the flavor that goes along with that. Uh, and it's, it's, it's versatile in terms of a lot of different things you can do with it. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the strip is probably – Okay, hey, hey Jay, Jay Davis, I know you're out there. Just make a note for Wednesday night. <laughs> we may be going to one of those two plays. <laughs> and I think it's his turn to pick up dinner, by the way. I picked up the last one in Dallas. I'm kidding, Jay. Go, I'm kidding, Jay, on that one. I'm kidding on that one, Jay. <laughs> As a board member, Jay, I think you ought to go ahead and support the media by taking them out to a steak Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Find it off as a business expense for uh, for Blue Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, but for Blue Smoke, exactly. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, no, no! Jay, Jay was very generous to me in Dallas too, so I can't, I can't complain. Uh, that Chamberlain's place in Dallas, Scott. Uh, I love oh, that place. Yeah, we went there last, when I was there last too. We went Jay. twice. We went twice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, that's if you're a cigar smoker, that's 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 a little slice of heaven, right? There. It is, and the food is great. And I, actually, the food I didn't think was unreasonably priced for what you got. It was really good quality. So yeah. Oh, yeah. We stuffed our faces and, you know, you get smoke. Well, yeah. Yeah. I still love smoking and eating at the same time. Um, so, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Good. Good. Uh, nice. All right. So this next question, this is uh, another segment. Um, this is our tobacco RSA ties that bind segment. Uh, this is brought to you by uh, Altidus USA. Uh, explore top rated classics like the H. Upman. Banker Day Trader, Trinidad Espiritu Series Number One, Monte Cristo 1935 Edition Diamante, and the Aging Room Quattro Nicaragua Sonata, all boasting a stellar 93 rating from Scarfacionado. Light up, relax, and savor every puff of excellence. So, Scott, in this segment, uh, I think we've been through it before. I'm going to name you three things, and you just have to tell me what all three of these things have in common. The ties that bind them here, okay? It comes right. from it comes from the Bruce Springsteen song. So, Aaron, this is a little spin on what we did last week. All right, I'll give you a hint mm -hmm. with that. Uh, so, but I'm not gonna give Scott doesn't know what the hint is, but for Aaron, he knows what it is. But I'll give Scott gets the first chance to answer. So, here are the three things: scissors, jeans, jeans as if you wear jeans, and eyeglasses. Scissors, jeans, and eyeglasses. Things that are predominantly manufactured outside the United States. <laughs> Good answer, actually. <laughs> But not correct. 
what are three things I do not have on my desk right now? I feel like I'm giving you a Cliff Clavin answer right now. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, um, not that one either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scissors. Scissors, jeans, and eyeglasses. I knew this was a tough one, too. I knew this one was a lot tougher I, I put on you. Uh, I don't know. The jeans want to throw me off with scissors and jeans. I was like, okay, things that. How about you, Aaron? You got to have anything. He might have, Aaron had uh, a little hint with this one. That's why. The thing that jumps out to me is that all things that are considered pairs when it's a singular thing. Correct. Pair of scissors, oh. pair of jeans, and a pair of eyeglasses. Yeah. So last week we did. We now did I feel triple. like a dunk. No, no, this was a. I knew this was a tougher one to throw at you. So it was kind of like everybody on Facebook probably got it already, and I'm probably the idiot trying to figure it out. Yeah, they may. If you saw last week's show, because we did we did things that were like trilogies or something last week. It was things in yeah. three. So this one, that's why I said like, this was pairs, but they're all pairs of a single thing, kind of. Yeah. All right. All right. Good job, Scott. I know that, that was a hard one. I I knew this was one of the harder ones I throw. All right, so uh, I'm going to do a commercial read and then a couple commercial reads, and then we have some rapid fire and then some uh, industry questions to wrap up. So let me finish. Scott, you can eat. Feel free to eat. So you can always. <laughs> all right, first, let us talk about JRE Tobacco Company. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of the of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamistan Valley in Honduras, Julio Aro took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, who in and Husto have brought their very own rare to the market and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra, and each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco. Legacy is tasted in every draw. And we want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they're cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Drew Estate, and Agonorsa Leaf. They have the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine stuck the Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shop in America. You can place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's five Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And again, we want to mention Cavalier Cigars, the Smoke Gold and Stay Gold. Join the inner circle. Follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram again at Cavalier underscore Cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. And once again, it's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars that are consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings from the cigar industry press. You'll want to follow them online at Cavalier underscore Cigars because they do unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold and Stay Gold. 
And finally, we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Loop 2 segment. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to learn more about their cigars. Live true. So, Scott, this is kind of where we take a little break. I, I did cut down the rapid-fire questions tonight. Uh, I usually do eight. I did seven. But uh, I think I try to – I lately I'm trying to do some tailored to you, and then there's just a few general ones I have. So I'm going to ask you this first question here. You're from Utah, right. right? You're from Utah. Yes, sir. I am. Okay. Good. okay. So here's my first question. I know you're a hockey guy. If Utah gets an NHL team, will you still stick with the Capitals? I know you're a Capitals guy. Yeah, Utah will just be my West team. Okay. I think okay. it might happen. I think it might happen. Everything I'm reading about the Coyotes, they may make this move. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got the new group that owns the Jazz out there and uh-huh. uh, playing hard to get to get this uh, team. Um, yeah, right now, the uh, my sister called me when they announced what the plan was for the name. They want to call them the Utah Yeti, which I don't <laughs> think is a right way to go. But the Yeti's cool, but Utah Yeti, it just sounds yeah. really dumb to me. But, uh, you know, the marketing possibilities are, are good. But they would be my West team and the Caps. You know, I, I, I'm i a diehard Caps guy. Like, I love yep. the team. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, even if they met in the finals, I would, you know, still cheer for the Caps. Okay. Okay. Uh, Caps are having a little bit of a – I don't want to say – it's a tough season. The East is pretty tough this year. So, uh, yeah, they're uh, having the – I mean, look, they, they've got some major contracts that are wrapped up, and so they're trying to develop young players. I love Carberry. I, I I think he's a great coach, um, and I hope he's here for the long haul. But quite honestly, the fan base, if Ovi scores, the fan base is like, we win. We could lose. I mean, literally, we got our butts kicked by Colorado the other night, but Ovi scored so everyone was happy. So it's all yeah. good. There you go. But the crazy thing is, is that, I, you know, the Caps played Boston, what, the best team in the East, beat them 3 nothing. turn around and challenge Vancouver, the best team in the West, you know, and and and, and had opportunities to win that game. So, you know, they, they're showing kind of some sparks. I just think that they're an older team. And, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what happens. Yeah, I mean the Flyers. I don't know how they're doing it. They're doing it mirrors with that team. Um, I don't know if we're gonna make it the full run with them, but it's it's been an incredible year for me. I mean, I've been completely yeah. blown away how good they're playing. Yeah, they they they've been. They, I think they've been one of the big surprises of the year for the NHL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 most people had them at the bottom. So yeah, uh, we'll, like I said, and Aaron, that's all the hockey talk we'll do. So no, that's fine. I'm I'm not a hater on hockey. I just I just don't get to watch much of it. So no. Nah. No, you don't have a reason to watch it out there with how bad the Sharks are, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Scott, sticking with Utah, what's the best thing about the state of Utah that nobody knows? What's something about Utah that maybe, you know, we think mountains and Salt Lake and, you know, people may think Mormons, but what's something about Utah that people don't know that they may really like? Uh, this will be an odd answer, but I'm going to say fry sauce. Fry sauce. That is an odd answer. You didn't expect that one. So there's a uh... – um, you know, look, I'm a fat kid. I love food, but you know, there's a there's a a food joint out there called Arctic Circle, and uh, growing up, so basically they have fry sauce, and it's kind of a it, it, a lot of people know about it now. But growing up, whenever I would travel outside of Utah, nobody knew what the hell fry sauce was. But basically, it's kind of a mixture of ketchup and mayonnaise with some other stuff that they have in there, uh, kind of a little bit of pickle juice in, in, in there as well. So it's a little bit like Thousand Island. Uh-huh. Um, oh God, we would go there as kids. And my brother uh, taught me this uh, and must run in the jeans. But they have like, obviously, you get the burger, right? And it opens up in the, the container, right? The cardboard container. He would take go to the fry sauce thing and he would fill that whole thing up with fry sauce for his fries and his burger. And uh, it's crazy. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's delicious. So I'll say fry sauce because it's kind of a Utah thing. There you go. I, I didn't know that. That's a good one. 
That was a good one, Scott. Good job. Thank you. All right. It's a two-part question. Did you watch the Super Bowl, and do you care about the commercials? Uh, yes and yes. Okay. Now, how much do I care about the commercials? I care about them that it makes the Super Bowl more fun to watch because God knows the commercials when you're watching during regular season. That's your time to go and, you know, use the restroom, get, get you know, refill, whatever else, um, you know, and then you don't even pay attention to halftime. So I do love the fact that, like, the commercials are fun. They're a lot more, obviously, they're expensive as hell, so you better put a lot into them. So, nice. uh, yeah, watch the Super Bowl, and um, uh, it was a good one. I mean, uh, I like a good defensive strategic matchup which was great you know watching that and seeing quarterback struggling trying to figure out how they're going to you know get in the end zone and uh is, is a good thing because all the advantages given to the offense these days yeah they want to score yeah. points because that drives viewership so i love seeing i love seeing good defense all right so can i just do my quick editorial aaron <laughs> Go for it. what a miscarriage of justice firing steve wilkes as the defensive coordinator <laughs> of the 49ers i uh scott he's a he's been on this show and he's a cigar guy that's like it's a day that he's a big cigar guy, actually. Shanahan's got to blame somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he did. And he blamed them. I, I don't know what more he could have done. I mean, I thought they were exhausted on the field when they went into the overtime. So I think both sides of the ball were exhausted. And I think they just ran out of gas, in my opinion. Uh, for me, it comes down to one basic thing experience. The Chiefs have been there before. You've got Andy yeah. Reid. Yeah. They know how to win the game. Yeah. You're in overtime. Yeah. I, for me, that's just kind of what it boils down to. And also, not to mention the fact, and I thought he played well, and, and I, yeah. I roll my eyes at the debate over game manager versus whatever. It's a bullshit thing because every quarterback is a game manager. Yeah. You're choosing how you're managing, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I thought Brock Purdy played well. Um, but again, Patrick Mahomes has experience. He's a, a, a phenomenal quarterback, and you're seeing the next generation the same way that people talked about Tom Brady. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it just came down to that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think so too. I think they. Uh, I actually was rooting for the 49ers, but I had picked the uh, Chiefs. So, uh, and John Carney will tell you, I was only one point off on the score. I had twenty four twenty one, and it was twenty five twenty two. So, nice. so putting yeah. any money on that? I should have. I think I get a cigar from those guys. I think I definitely get an LFD from Carney. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So, uh, all right. yeah, as a Seahawks fan, I was glad to see San Francisco lose. That's all I'll say. You happy about Pete Carroll gone? I'm not happy about it because I mean, look, 14 years, most successful run we've ever had, Super Bowls, you know, and everything else wins. Uh, the culture that he instilled in there, um, the way he left, I think, you know, he didn't want to leave, but it's about as good of a situation of leaving when the coach doesn't want to leave as you can get for somebody <laughs> like that. But I mean, it, it was time. I'm super happy with McDonald. I he's gonna know, be a good. He was a good hire. I thought it was a good out of the box hire yeah, by them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so far yeah. in all the coaches we brought on board, I'm, I'm very curious about Grubb and what he's gonna do coming from college. Yeah, um, you know, running pro style offenses though in college and the imagination there. Uh, Leslie Frazier coming in as the assistant head coach, uh, defensive minded guy. So I'm I'm really excited yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, that was a good hire too. I thought. Um, we got Jay Harbaugh, he, you know, from yeah. special teams. The Harbaughs are known for. Yeah. Or kind of that is where Jim Harbaugh came from. He's the uh, special teams coach at Philly when he was hired at Baltimore. So right, All right, there you go. No, it was good. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the next chapter. Yep. All right, I got four questions related to cigars because we know you like cigars. Okay, it's not just that you work for the Premium Cigar Association. You, you I know you. I'm talking. You like cigars. So here are my four questions for you. All right. What's your favorite cigar wrapper? Uh, <laughs> it's like asking me to pick my favorite kid. That's okay. <laughs> Um, I'm, oh, oh that's, mm. 
God, it depends on the cigar. Um, I think it does too. I think that's actually the answer I would give with this. I mean, as much, yeah. I mean, some people will answer it blindly, but I agree with you on that answer. Yeah. Cause I've had cigars and that's, that's actually one of the things that like, I love what Pete's doing. I know some people are like, Oh, nice innovation. You're just putting a new wrapper. That's why I love what he does is because the wrapper can change uh, so much about a cigar, particularly with the, the thinner ring gauges. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I love a Connecticut broadleaf. Um, yeah. So I'm of what Nick's going to do with the show and, and discussing that and can kind of nerd out a little bit on that. But yeah. for me, really, it, it just comes down to the cigar. I mean, I love, you know, various wrappers on different cigars than I would on in, in another um, sort of, you know, taste and flavor profile. So I don't know if I could answer that. I, I think it's a fair answer, by the way, too, because uh, that's the way I would have answered it. Um, I tend to, you know, it's funny. I tend to lean a little more broadleaf. I'm always excited about a broadleaf, but I've had, you know, broadleaf just, disappoint me so you know it's not yeah. it's not a straight answer yeah all right along those lines i don't this one i think i can put you a little more on a spot on favorite vitola uh that's a good one um God. And i think that's I a would, fair one because there's different sizes of a blend so i think something right. you may gravitate to something right. yeah so one of my all-time favorite cigars is the wcd redux right it's a petite corona oh. and like Oh, whole I bought yeah. I yeah. bought five boxes of that by the way, and I went through them all in a month. The the uh, Cabalons, the Cabalons, Cabalon, yeah, yeah. The, the, that was we talked to Pete about that a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. the, the, the latest batch that, that came out, holy god, those things are just delicious. It's the best retro hail of any cigar I've ever smoked. I, uh, it's this. It's the I only gave two cigars above a ninety six, and that was a yeah. single store release, and and I gave it a ninety seven. That is one of the greatest cigars I ever had. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I do love the petite Corona size. I love, I love, uh, a Lonsdale too. Um, and, um, I tend to, I tend to really like the thinner ring gauges more than anything. So Lancero, Lonsdale, Corona, those are kind of really my, my go-to sizes. I mean, you know. Okay. Okay. That's good. Now in your humidor, you leave the cellophane on or off? Usually I, I on, but more than anything, it's because I'm lazy. <laughs> okay. I, I, Listen, I, was... I buy cigars. I buy cigars and I get cigars, but I, I smoke. I don't collect. And so my cigars don't last long in my humidor enough for me to take them off to age them. They just, they really don't. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm smoking a minimum of three cigars a day, usually five or more. Cigars don't last long in my humidor. Right. <laughs> Understood. Understood. I tend to leave them on. I just have worse luck when they come off. Mm -hmm. uh, I just things just happened. Bad luck to me. I will open the bottom footer a bit so it breathes a little, though. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I will do that. And last one. Where is your bucket list place that you want to have a cigar? It was funny. We were at the Congressional Cigar Caucus today, and Guy Reston Taylor and, and a couple of them, they smoked a cigar in the self pole. So it's funny you asked that because I kind of started thinking uh, uh, pretty much about this question. Um, I want to go uh, and uh, I do want to smoke in Switzerland. So I did my Mormon mission in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, love the country. Uh, I would love to go back there and live, to be honest with you. So I do want to go smoke. Uh, in Switzerland again, um, not necessarily any sort of fixed point, but I really would love to be able to go back to Switzerland and enjoy a cigar uh, and just take in, obviously, the, the beauty of the country. And just uh, uh, not to be one of those guys, but again, not Geneve, Geneve. Wow, so, I've been reading it wrong Genève. for a year. Geneve, yeah. That's I've been reading that wrong for a year. Yeah. Well, no one's easy. ever corrected me on it. <laughs> 
I lived there, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so all yeah, right, nice no. That's wow. just how the French I mean, it's, it's, yeah, they've it's never the French said... Genève is uh, <laughs> Cavalier Genève. They even re-upped with me, those guys. So <laughs> Sebastian's a nice guy. No, no, they did great supporters of us. So uh, I love their cigars too. Yeah, yeah. they did a nice yeah. job on um, that new uh, inner circle. I liked it. I haven't yeah. had that yet, so I'm going to tell Brian he owes me a box. Yeah, I, I'm going to try to weasel some from him in Florida. So he said yeah, he's going to be around his Caribbean cigars. So oh, all good. right, all right, tell him I said All right, I will. All right, let's get to our Espinosa this day in sports history question. Brought to you by Espinosa Cigars. Makers of award-winning brands such as Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa, smoke Espinosa every day, and get into a Lazona state of mind. So this is uh, – I'm going to gear this one a little more to Aaron. You may not know the answer to this one, Scott. But on this day, February 15th, 1990, the owners of Major League Baseball took this particular action. What was that action? They did something on February 15th, 1990 that had large-scale ramifications on the game. Um, it affected every team and every player. Oh, was it they, uh, um, no. Affected every fan, too. I don't know. I'm at a loss. Okay. Aaron, you want to take a shot at it before I give it away? They locked out the players. They locked out the players. They could come to a collective bargaining agreement, so they locked them out. They were locked out for six weeks, and they had to delay the season one week. Yep. That's yep. right. That's right. Jeez. Yep. yep. So they locked them out because that was to... going there. But for whatever reason, the 1990 threw me. I yeah. felt like... because because it was only a week. It turned out to be, even though it was like it was a six week lockout and it basically wiped out spring training. But right. it only delayed the season a week. So yeah, I think they... so, yeah. When I think lockout, I think later in the 90. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So a uh, couple more reads. And then we'll wrap it up with you, Scott. Uh, I think we'll get you out of a decent hour. All right. So first, uh, let me mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elder Hole, J.C. Newman has premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the All-American Cigar, the American, and the Anna Cuesta. J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, where Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Foreman, Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, vocational training, healthcare, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And we're getting into our industry uh, deliberation segment sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. 
There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included nine consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one scar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Turkey Traka, and in 2022 and 2023 with the Mi Carita Black. Visit com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Scott, I got a few questions, uh, two industry questions, and then these are more more uh, personal questions, the last two related to the sure. industry. Um, the first thing is the appeal. Uh, you know, obviously, we got the big victory at the FDA. Now the appeal. What can you give us an update on where things are with the appeal process as far as that goes? Yeah, so they um, filed the extension. Uh, we filed again. Um, so we're just kind of waiting to wait through all of that. Um, they didn't agree <laughs> to ours. We kind of said at the time, you know, we uh, – uh, we afford them luxuries that they would never afford us right. and same thing. Right. And so, um, you know, we're in the process of re responding to that appeal. Um, not, not a whole lot new that's in there. We kind of know, um, kind of where they're coming from. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're really answering a lot of any of what uh, justice made had talked about, uh, in terms of why vacated the rule. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes along, but, um, again, uh, we're still just kind of going through that process and, and, uh, getting everything said. So it's kind of, Moving along, we'll see what happens with the uh, with the uh, extension and everything else. But yeah, it's kind of moving along, and uh, probably over the next few months, we'll have a little bit more of a definitive understanding of kind of where that's at and the and 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 being able to make the arguments and the decision. So you mentioned an extension, so that's I know the, there was a briefing filed by the obviously the FDA. So you guys have respond to that briefing. Is that's the extension you're looking for in that? Well, uh, we yeah they 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 said no to it, and so so that's why we filed the briefing. So. Yeah. They didn't afford that to us. So, yeah, we filed. And so now we got to wait to hear back from them when everything gets set. Um, were you, you know, we had on, I remember, no, we didn't have on. We, uh, I remember when the victory happened, you had Michael Edney, uh, you did that live stream. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, Michael Edney was even saying he didn't think there was going to be an appeal filed. So, you guys, were you guys really surprised that that happened? I, I guess I wasn't surprised. I was just being, maybe I was a little half glass, half empty thing, but, but I wasn't. But were you guys really surprised that they did it? You know, nothing that the FDA does surprises me, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, if they came out tomorrow and said, hey, we're going to forget about premium cigars altogether, that would surprise me. Right. Um, but, um, you know, anytime a regulatory body is challenged in terms of their regulation, they don't really take that too kindly. Um, so I think we were surprised because of the way the decision was handed down and why it was handed down and procedurally and everything else. Um, I also think it was we we're a little bit uh victims of circumstance because when this happened the government was about ready to shut down and it, they were going to be shut down when the deadline was due and so it was almost as if they were like hey we're just going to file a notice to appeal on all of these things and then we'll decide if we want to do it or not right and when did, again like i said it's it's not like there was anything new or shuttering within this this appeal process that they did so wasn't terribly surprised but i, I was a little kind of like huh they're going to really waste that money because uh, again, there was a lot that that they, they has to go. Look, the government's got their own system. Well, how it has to go through for review and everything else if they're going to do this, right? They got to get legal opinions that they got to go through and everything else. Um, so I think they kind of did that, and I think they ultimately just decided, you know, what we filed our notice for appeal, and I think that they found kind of, in my opinion, their way is for a, a, a quick pathway for to, for that appeal. So, uh, you know, somewhat surprising, but not overly so. Right. So, Scott, I know you're not a lawyer, so if you can't answer this one, I'm, I'm totally understanding. But 
I'm just trying to. So let's say the worst case scenario happens and they they the appeal goes against the cigar industry. Does that mean then the cigar industry has another chance to appeal that? Does that go to a Supreme Court level? How does that work if that happens? Yeah, we would have to go to the next level. Chances uh, unlikely if, if that happens. But I mean, then you go back through the process again of kind of where they were when it was vacated. They were already opening it back right. up with some study and all this other things that they were going through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's problematic for them either way, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. the problem is they, they created themselves. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where that would be. So, I mean, it's, even if that happened, we're still, you know, it doesn't turn any kind of spigot back on. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to kind of unravel with that. So understood and, and understood. And that could be that these appeals things can be long process from what I understand too. It's not something that yeah. will get decided like next day. So, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's uh, but at least we have a, a victory with the premiums. Uh, um, good job by that. And, you know, all the organizations and you, uh, so good job. I mean, that's a good job that, um, you know, a lot of us thought we'd never get there when this, when these came in, you weren't around when I think 2000, when the demon rule came, you weren't around yet. You came in after it, right? Correct. Yeah. Demon rules 2016. I came in 2018. Okay. Okay. Good. So the other thing I want to mention, um, the PCA has been a lot more involved with international uh, on the international front. I know you lost uh, Ryan. He's no longer with the organization. So how does that affect what is the PCA's one is do you, do you have a plan to replace Ryan and two, uh, where are some of the initiatives that PCA is really focused on, on the international front? Yeah. Yeah. We do have a plan to replace Ryan. It's in motion right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, given where the, the uh, trade show lands, we, um, have uh richard chalky who's uh, kind of helping filling in right now he was with um uh congresswoman mace's office so he's kind of filling out on a contract basis right now to help out because we're nice. in the middle of the legislative session and with the trade show and everything else coming up we're going to go push trade show uh to fill ryan's spot and do that you know obviously on a full-time basis so okay. so we, we do have some 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 help that we've been able to bring in to, to help with that because again the states and the amount of, of of different bills and notices and things like that that come right. down in the thousands, right? Um, it, it takes a lot. So, um, you know, as we're looking at international again, the biggest thing, you know, everything from from Canada, even working on a tax cap in Canada at this point, um, which is kind of funny because we talk about tax caps here in the states right. of thirty cents and fifty cents, and in Canada we're looking at five dollars. So, um, uh, which would be a huge help for them. Uh, but we're also looking at where where policies are popping up, and right now one of the big things that we're trying to do is we're kind of we're starting a little bit from square one internationally but there's such a big need because there's this just dearth of information internationally well we have this wealth of information here in the states provided by our very own regulatory body here with the fda right right NIH. and so what we've started to do um you know we did it inter back um not last year but the year before where we went and presented and said you know you know lobbying in the u.s is is a context for whereas most other countries it's it doesn't really exist in the same ways so we started to talk about different strategies of implementation and education and things like that, that we that we can try to help promulgate throughout these countries to try to help them, uh, you know, start using this type of research and other things to kind of help them. At the same time, we continue to monitor where bad policies uh, can be popping up. Um, the world has gotten significantly smaller in terms of that. So the bad policy spreads uh, much more quickly. Right. It's like a negative review on Google. Right. Uh, it's going to spread much more quickly than the positive reviews. Uh, same thing with bad policy. So generational smoking bans and other, you know, smoking bans and, and taxations and, and you know, different, you know, uh, local authority issues and things like that, um, they all spread way too quickly. So we want to start staving them off and fighting uh, at, 
wherever we possibly can and where we can elicit the help of, of you know, local retailers and local consumers and local uh, manufacturers or, or manufacturers who have presence in those countries, um, we can start kind of utilizing a lot of the information and tools that we have in order to help them. And so we continue to engage. We're going to be back in or back again. I just signed a, a reciprocal agreement with them. They're at our show. We're going to be there and do some more speaking and some more outreach with the international. Josh just had a lunch meeting with the um, European Manufacturers Association. So we're continuing to engage on those levels to find out more and effective ways in which we can, in fact, get into these areas and, and be more effective in in helping to educate uh, both the the industry that's in these countries, but also at the same time, um, educating the the policymakers. And it's very different because the, the systems are very different, obviously, but educating policymakers and finding ways in which we can engage with policymakers in meaningful ways. You know, Scott, my uh, my first experience with the FDA was actually in the software area. We I worked with a company that um, they had to do an uh, adverse effect reporting system to the FDA on adverse effects of drugs. And I learned how crazy the FDA is. I was then asked to do the same thing for the EU. And I went to Italy for like a month, actually. And what I discovered is the EU is like 10 times worse than the FDA was my perception coming out of that. So if you think the FDA is bad, try dealing with the EU. It was it was even more crazy was my perception of it. Yeah, it's, it's weird because in some ways, some of these countries are even more bureaucratic. And in other ways, it's weird because they're not bureaucratic enough. And by that, it's where basically is if you know the guy's cousin – or it's this local guy that be, kind of runs everything. So it's this weird mixture of, of how things work. And, you know, some places you have a particular local authority, the, you know, or equivalent of maybe like a mayor or something here. And if that person just doesn't want to do anything or, you know, wants to enact something or raise taxes on whatever yep. else, there's really no getting around it. There's nothing yep. you can do or even talking to them directly because the way referendums or whatever else have to go through. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. I mean, you think about all the different, you know, localities that we have to deal with in the U.S. Now times that by, you know, tens of thousands for all the different locations yeah. around the world, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's one of those weird things, yeah. to, like I said. It's either too bureaucratic or not bureaucratic enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's counterintuitive as the second one is, yeah. <laughs> um, just on one thing you just mentioned, the generational smoking ban uh, in the U.K., that's obviously a big one. What What do you know about that, where that is right now? Yeah, so there's getting they're getting pushback on that. Um, obviously, they want to yeah, go about that. So it's interesting. We're trying to engage there. We know uh, we got some relationships with some some local shops there, and um, so we're trying to engage on that. And uh, yeah, I I'm not gonna say I'll be surprised if it goes through, but I mean there's some challenges they're gonna have with that and, and some other legal aspects of it as well. So wow. hopefully, you know, reason is sees the light of day over there in terms of that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, New Zealand repealed theirs. Um, that's part of our deal with the new government. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. UK is a different animal, though. If that happens, that could be bad. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, Guy Rushenthaler made this point today in the uh, in the roundtable, talking about you know, you, there's you, the same groups that basically say that you know we don't want to ever have young people grow up and start using tobacco, or the same ones that are want you know sixteen year olds to to be able to vote or, you know, some of these other things yeah. that are out there. And so um, there's a complete, you know, disparity and lack of um, congruity when it comes to the way that a lot of this is being done. And that again, generally where there's smoke, there's fire uh, leads to, again, it being a political uh, machination as opposed to policy for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. All right. Two questions. These are more personal questions. 
Um, so you just mentioned you've been with the PCA since 2018, so you're going on six years. Thanks for your service, first of all. <laughs> um, so outside the FDA victory, what is the biggest accomplishment that you feel uh, under your leadership the PCA has accomplished? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, that's a really interesting. I, you know, I think that um, it's kind of a twofer because they kind of came out of the same. The, the these branches kind of sprouted from the same roots, but I think that the involvement of the evolving of the board in sort of the way that the, the representation with the manufacturers um, and and that kind of coupled with the strategic bringing all that together to kind of create this very, very hyper-focused strategic um, outlook. Um, again, both sides of the same coin there. Um, I'll say that because it's led yeah. to all of these other things that have been happening. Right. Uh, and so I think that that has been um, something, and it, it's not easy, right? I've, I've, I've been in trade associations now for, for 20, over 25 years. And, um, and these types of things are, are not easy when you're looking at the, not necessarily changing, but, you know, um, uh, it is changing, but the, the, the leadership infrastructure and the way that it works and everything. And, and, um, so then that was big. And quite frankly, you know, uh, uh, all credit's got to go to the board for being open to that and understanding that, you know, evolving the association to meet with the demands of the time and the needs of the membership uh, was going to demand some of these bigger types of changes. Right. And so I think that that um, was good and getting all, you know, 15 people in the room and, and uh, hashing it all out through all the disagreements and, and opinions and everything else um, was a big deal, um, you know, and it didn't it was interesting because it didn't really resonate uh, the way that I thought it might have uh, when we, you know, pushed this out there and gave, put out the press releases on it. Um, but I think in a way it's because I think people were like, yeah, you know what, that does make sense. Um, yeah. And I think it is, it is kind of the right, the, the right thing for, for, for the industry, for the association um, and for what we need to do. And so I think that that was another thing that kind of let us know, yeah, you know what, this really is, this really was the right thing. We're glad we put in the work to get it done. Because it's not easy. I mean, look, you got people who are running businesses to take the time off to come to D.C. and hammer all of this out. Um, and some of the exercises, they're, they're not easy, right? I mean, yeah. you have to take a hard look and be very, very critical and be open up to to criticisms and, and everything else yeah. and, and know that it's not personal. You're not, you know, bashing someone's kid here or anything like that. You're yeah. literally. Yeah. So it was it was good. I mean, it was it was ultimately very good and produced good results. That's good to hear. That's a good one. I like that. All right. Uh, now the for me personally, honestly, I just I also think that the being able to put the team together that we have here, um, I, like I said, trade association for 25 years, top to bottom. This is the best you know staff that I've been able to work with. And so I do uh, appreciate that as well. Yeah, you've had really good staff. I mean, uh, anyone I've interacted with has been great. So uh, and the board, the board seems, you know, I was a little questionable about the 15 member board, but it seems like if you guys are fighting things out, it's 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 transparent to us. It seems like you're getting things done. So. That shouldn't matter. You know, that's part of that's part of normal boards. You know, they argue, but yeah. you guys are getting stuff done. So I think that's good. It's yeah. you're reaching consensus on stuff. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, again, it's it's learning how to use conflict as a, as a good constructive tool right. rather right. than people just not like yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last question. Um, biggest challenge besides the FDA 
that the PCA has to overcome? And I'll say anything regulatory. Is there anything else like the PCA, the industry is facing that they have to overcome outside that FDA and regulatory type of thing? Yeah, you know, for me, I think that um, in a lot of ways, it's, it's um, uh, you know, the board, ev you know, evolving. And I think that it's a microcosm, I think, of the big challenge of the industry as a whole, the membership, um, kind of understanding ways in which we uh, we need to we need to evolve as well in terms of how we look at the engagement with the association and with each other right and that's that's a big challenge because you're looking at you know 3500 stores plus across the country and you know 1200 owners um and what that really means and, and in a lot of ways when i look back at my other association experience particularly i mean look i was in trade association with construction and then a medical society and uh, some of the biggest stuff that was working there and what a lot of associations obviously do and big benefits is being able to provide platforms and means for folks to be able to both come together as well as for, for education. And I think that that those two aspects of information sharing and education and everything else, um, it, it's, it's a big challenge. And I think we need to start understanding that that's a part of doing business um, is, is, is that aspect is both yeah. learning from others, but also sharing. Um, because it just gets, it gets everybody better. And that's the other part going back to the whole board thing is being hyper-focused on our mission of growing, especially tobacco retailing. And this is a, this is one of the key and best ways to do this is by being able to share best practices um, and, and providing information and resources amongst each other. And so, so much of what we're putting in place right now, um, for me, it feels snail's pace, but in some aspects, it, it does go quicker than, than you think. Uh, but we're putting infrastructure in place to continue to build that out. And that is a challenge because a lot, you know, it just it, it, it wasn't really needed for a long time. And it just kind of really wasn't part of the culture of the industry. Uh, but but that aspect of it is growing. Right. And, and I think that obviously social media, uh, you all, what you do in terms of that, I think people are seeing that benefit and understanding that there's a reason and a need yep. for mass participation from the industry in these types of programs. And so I'm excited over the next couple of years of, of putting these things together and putting it out there. I mean, look, we're going to be unveiling new association benefits that are just completely outside of a trade show, right? Things like healthcare plans and retirement plans and other things um, and other business resources. Now, people understanding, yes, there's a reason for me to engage in the association. But then the flip side of that is that engagement also comes with engagement with your fellow retailers and with the vendors because those relationships are going to yield some really good fruits. Uh, and then it provides also ways for for you to give back to the industry as well. Nice. Nice. That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, Aaron, anything else before we let Scott go? No. No, I Scott, we, 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 we used to have you on here and we beat you up, right? But it, it, um, <laughs> I think this is the testament to the work you're doing. So, I mean, yeah. this is – I mean, you, you guys are doing a great job. I'm I'm excited about the show. I, I'm really excited – Uh for what the future is holding with the PCA. You've done a great job coming back from like 2020. So, I mean, uh, one of the great, it's a great story. Yeah. Just keep up the great work. And I look forward to seeing you in, in Vegas this year. Yeah. Thanks so much. I uh, appreciate you having me on and, and uh, uh, always appreciate it. Aaron, you always, uh, uh, you're a man of few words. I always, I always say that uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but you know, major league when Bob Euchre's on there, He's like, hey, yeah. you got anything? He's like, no. And they, they don't call him the best color man in baseball for nothing. <laughs> Aaron is the glue. and He's the glue that holds this show together. And I'll say this. You know you have, like, the guy on your shoulder, the angel and the devil? Yeah. Like, Aaron could be that devil guy. And he says, bad idea. Don't go there. And, he, and it's a key role for the direction of what we do this show. And it, it is important. And he's, he's fantastic about that. 
Um, and oh, I, I, value- I know, I know. That's why I love being able to say that to Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Aaron's the exact opposite of me, right? You know, like I'm going to go out here and you're going to, it's drinking from a fire hose. I talk fast. I talk a lot. And you're like, okay, every 10th word might mean no. something. No. Aaron says five things. And you're going to listen yeah. to every single thing yeah. he says. <laughs> no, 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 it's, he's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we appreciate the support, the time you gave us tonight. I mean, you, like I said, anytime we've asked you to come on or any member I've had to reach out to on your team has been really responsive. Um, so thank you. And thanks to your whole team as well. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you yeah, very much. You yeah. work hard and, and, uh, you guys yeah, really worked hard. It deserve it's, all the credit. They, yeah, they, you're, you're, in my opinion, you're the, great, you're the greatest executive director in the history of PCA. I've told you that. And I, I mean that personally. So. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jay, Jay, Jay said something to me the other week. He goes, "What?" He goes, "Are you sending Coop something?" He goes, "What do you got on Coop?" Because they just they said that the other week. And I just, that's for me to know and for nobody. Else to know. Oh, I won't no. tell anybody the pictures I have of you, Coop. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> All good. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. I, nope. uh, it means a lot. I appreciate the recognition. But again, my team yeah. is is just yeah. stellar. Yeah. So I just try not to screw things up too much for them to have to fix. So no, it's it's great. It's great. You guys do a great job. All right, we're we're off next week. Uh, we're back in two weeks with our next PCA. Uh, we're gonna have the developing pallets and hoop team, uh, just to discuss the PCA. So that will be in two weeks uh, on the 29th, leap year day. So uh, I think it's gonna be John, John from your team, and a couple of the guys from my team is we're gonna have. So I um so we'll have them on and uh, we'll give our thoughts and we'll talk more. We'll get more products and stuff like that. We'll be talking about, I'm sure yeah. too. So. Uh, and then you're going to be doing, you're still doing the recap show. You're going to be doing the recap show in, in April, right? So we'll we do still, the uh, yeah, April 1st, we'll do the, uh, the recap show. Uh, it'll be a little odd for me to do it because I'm not able to attend the trade show this year, but, uh, I'll still gather everybody together and we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it. So. Yeah. I know you're, oh, I know you've been working you there, Aaron. The date change got me, man. I have another, I have another, uh, trip already scheduled for that same time. So I'll miss this year, but I will be back in New Orleans. Awesome. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have an awesome party in New Orleans. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. By the way, Scott, I, I have a lot of confidence. I, I didn't say this, I didn't talk too much about New Orleans because I want to focus on this show, but honestly, I have a I you know, New Orleans ten years ago wasn't a great trade show in my opinion, but I have a lot of confidence what you and the team are doing in New Orleans. I think you can make a good experience out of it. So I'm willing to give it a full shot here and see see what you guys could do. So yeah, we, we yeah, we've already started to work on it. We got a lot of things going. And so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm and New Orleans loves this and they're pulling out all the stops and everything and and uh so I'm excited. Plus, I love New yep. Orleans and I love the food. Again, I'm a fat kid, so I'm looking forward to it. We, we, we have a new, we have a Cajun guy Ben on our team, so he's like, "Don't worry, guys, I got you covered in New Orleans." <laughs> he keeps saying <laughs> so, so he's like happy about it. So, so no, I mean, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about next year or to a 2025. I wanted to focus a lot on 2024 tonight, so I do appreciate it. Awesome, perfect. All right, all right, and that's gonna wrap up primetime episode 297 into the annals of history for this Thursday, February 15th, 2024. We'll see everybody in two weeks. Take care, everybody. See you guys.